Jesus' denial and Jewish trial. As I have already begun to do with the previous episode of Christ's Passion, I will continue to tell it like a novel or a play. Its genre is that what I would describe as a nonfiction tragedy. We think of Judas as the one who turned Jesus in, who betrayed Jesus. But no, so did Peter. By denying that he ever knew Christ, that he was his faithful follower. He was so until now. This is the Peter who was the first, after John the baptizer, to confess Jesus as the Christ. The Christ is the Messiah in Greek. But who say ye that I am? Our Lord asked his disciples. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, responded Peter in their behalf. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is the same Peter prior to his master's arrest, who declared before them all, and especially before Christ, I will lay down my life for my sake. Will you, Peter? Will you lay down your life for me? The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Who is 100% faithful to the Lord? The first scene, Anna's palace. Anna is the high priest. Yes, the high priest, at least in the eyes of the nation of Israel. In verse 12 and 13, Then the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him, tied him up, and led him away to Annas first, for he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Who is he, Annas? As I said, he is the high priest of Israel. He is the father-in-law of Caiaphas, as it is noted by John. If the Jews wanted to judge and condemn the Lord Jesus, they needed to go to Pontius Pilate. And the way to him would not be Annas, but rather Caiaphas, who is the high priest of Israel in that year. The Romans deposed Annas, you see, as the high priest. Although high priests are, as a practice, an office for life, unless the Lord takes them out of this life. In the eyes of the Jews, Annas was the true high priest. In any case, Annas appears to have been a wily person, able to assert himself. Not only was he high priest, but he had five sons who all occupied that same office over time. Not to mention, again, Caiaphas, his son-in-law, who was presently high priest. 
Annas was in all probability the real power of the land, the real influence anyway. And so it was no surprise that Jesus was brought to Annas' palace, not to mention the fact that it was near the scene of the arrest of our Lord in the garden. The second scene, outside the courtyard, Peter's first denial. As you know, there are three. This is the first. Verse 15. And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. That other disciple is none other than the writer of this gospel, John. John, the evangelist, the disciple whom Jesus loved as he has described himself at one point. John, John had inside connections, obviously. And so he pulled some strings for Peter. It says in verse 16, But Peter stood at the door without, then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Something about Peter, though, caught the eye of the doorkeeper. It says in verse 17, The damsel that kept the door said to Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? Are you not one of his followers? I saw you with him. You have to be, because it was more than once. I am not. Mark notes that it was said by her, Thou also was with Jesus of Nazareth. Peter tries to remain inconspicuous, just sort of in there, but in the shadow, shadows. It says in verse 18, And the servants and officers stood there who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. What does that tell us? It's nighttime. It's nighttime. That's when it gets cold, right? This preliminary judicial hearing, or preliminary, meaning uh, uh, not formal, took place during the after hours, and that's not done. In other words, John is pointing out the illegality of this proceeding. Scene three, we go back inside Anna's palace, verse 19. The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. The concern was about Jesus' doctrine, his teaching, his theology. But later, the charge against Christ before Pilate would be of, a, of another sort, political. It says in Luke 23, 2, And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. So as to get them on his tail. Now, before answering Anna's question, what is your doctrine? Tell me all about it. I want to know. And of course, that so that he could probably find information, evidence that could be used against him to incriminate him. 
our Lord challenges the proper protocol for a Jewish trial. While he was not a lawyer, nor was he a theologian, at least not schooled in any of their, their schools, he knew the law of God. And it says in verse 20 that he said to Annas, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple and wherever the Jews would resort, out there in the highways and byways. And in secret have I said nothing, meaning that what I would say publicly would par with what I would say privately. Why do you ask me? Ask them which heard me what I said to them. Behold, they know not, they know what I said. In other words, get witnesses. In a formal Jewish hearing, to question a defendant may have been illegal because a case had to rest on the weight of the testimony of witnesses. Like the word the scriptures teach, like in the book of Moses, in the mouth of two, one or two witnesses, let every word be established. You heard that before? Because this was an informal interrogation before the high priest emeritus, we had recently a uh, commemoration to make uh, one of our deacons, uh, deacon emeritus, uh, deacon angel, the praise of God's glorious grace. Well, he was the high priest emeritus. The, the interrogation that he required that would come through him, not before the Sanhedrin council, he's not part of that because he's no longer high priest. Annas may have thought that he could get away uh, from following all the rules. However, Jesus knew the law and demanded that witnesses be called. The bailiff knew Jesus was rebuking Annas at that point and retaliated, and what did he do? He struck Jesus with the palm of his hand and slapped him, saying, do you answer the high priest that way? Who are you? If only he knew who he was, who he is, and that he is the true high priest of high priests. He is the one of whom all the high priests of Israel pointed to. It says in the Bible, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. We have a high priest who has entered into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, who is now at our right hand interceding for us as our high priest. Jesus was asking for a fair trial. That's all. His opponents, who already made up their minds as to his guilt, had no intentions of providing him that. So Jesus answered Annas, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you slap me? Annas knew that he was not getting anywhere with Jesus. And so it says in verse 24, Now Annas had sent him bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest. If Jesus was to finally be brought before Pilate, legal accusation would have to be brought by the current reigning high priest, Caiaphas, not Annas. 
who is the president, by the way, of the Sanhedrin. Verse 14, now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. This tells you something about the thinking of Caiaphas and the counsel or teaching, prophecy, if you will, of the man who was looking for a scapegoat to pin their problems on for the nation of Israel. This is the official Jewish court where Christ is headed. And so by sending Jesus to his son-in-law, Caiaphas, Annas was declaring that he wanted Jesus destroyed. Scene four, inside the courtyard. At the same time that an interrogation was taking place in the palace with Jesus, Another interrogation was happening outside with Peter. Only it was not in the face of the rulers of this world, but lowly servants. Starting with a young man that we've already taken note of earlier. Peter's second denial, verse 25. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. They said therefore unto him, Art not thou also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. Matthew, not John, notes that Peter swears under oath. It says in Matthew 26, and again he denied with an oath, I did not know the man. Can you imagine that? The one who was with Jesus all those three years was one of his early converts, one of his first disciples, who stood with him through thick and thin, whom the Lord defended, protected, stood for. And now in his time of need, our Lord's, he was not there for him at all. His making this oath is like saying that I will speak the truth and nothing but the truth will help me God. He was covenanting with those people and saying that that this is the truth, and puts his right hand up, as it were. No, you're really one of them. Your accent is, is a dead giveaway. According to Mark, you're a Galilean, one of them said. And then it notes in Matthew how he began to curse and to swear. Imagine how far our deceitful and desperately wicked hearts will take us when we let it. As James notes, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth, Proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. And yet here we are. Here he is. Here we are. Peter's third denial and last, verse 26 and 27. 
One of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. It says that Peter remembered the words of our Lord. This is another gospel, that of Matthew. Which had said to him, before the cock would crow, you would deny me thrice. I read it earlier. But it goes on to say, and he went out and wept bitterly. In fact, Luke chimes in and observes in Luke 22. And the Lord turned at that point in time of that denial, that last and final denial. You know how three is a special number of completeness. How he looked on Peter. Their eyes met. And perhaps that is why he wept. This passage, this portion of redemptive history, teaches us many things. But I think one outstanding lesson it teaches us from the betrayal and the Jewish trial that was taking place simultaneously outside and inside the palace of Annas is that the Lord died to save those that are like Peter. In light especially of his forgiveness of Peter and later restoration to Peter, to the faith. He gave himself for Peter, for, for those, beginning with Peter, who have it in them to even do such a thing as betray him. David prayed a prayer to be kept from this. He says in his prayer in Psalm 19 that comes to my mind, keep that back thy servant also from presumptuous sin. May I never, never deny you, Lord. There have been those who have denied the Lord in church history, and there's one that comes to my mind who is an archbishop of Canterbury, who, upon his being put in the fire, even after he had recanted or said that he didn't believe in Christ, he was put in the fire because, actually, he recanted his recantation and said, no, I believe in Jesus. Put the hand that wrote the recantation in the fire that would burn first. And then said, into thy hands I commit my spirit. While we may betray the Lord, one thing is certain, that he will never betray those upon whom he has set his steadfast and everlasting love. We have a high priest who is in the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, who said before he left, of whom it is said before he left, having loved his own, he loved them unto the end, and indeed he did.
But you know what? I thank the Lord for a brother like Peter. If he was not in the Bible, I would have spiritual struggles in my life that I don't know what I would do if there had not been such an example as him, even in his denying the Lord. And I hope you feel the same as I do, but I look forward to meeting him. And I hope he's the first one I meet when I ever have him. With that, let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this portion of your history. Thank you, O Lord, for this very personal and detailed and in-depth biography of your life and of this part of your life that is so difficult for any of us and was no less difficult for you, if not more difficult, because you were bearing the weight of the sins of a multitude that no man can number. And for this we give you praise and thanks because we are numbered amongst them. And pray all of these things in your matchless and holy name, Jesus Christ.